Good morning, good morning. Good to see you. Good to hear from you on Law and Gospel this morning on KFUO. And, of course, this is Tom Baker's voice. This is uh, Pastor Wes Reimnitz uh, from Springfield, Illinois. Tom's given me some time to do some uh, speaking, and we're going to try it here on Rumination Thursday to go through some questions that that, that have been asked. Uh, and I don't know if we'll get them get them all done in this uh, half hour, but we're going to give it a try with this pandemic uh, going on. Uh, questions have have surfaced either to Tom or myself. Is this the the end? You know, end of the world as, as we know it with with these pandemics? Are we experiencing the four horsemen of Revelations chapter six? Uh, what's what's our view on that? And what is the mark of the beast that uh, is talked about in Revelation of 666? And, of course, where is God in all of this? Just any one of those would be enough to cover a couple hours. And so we're, we'll try and give a short answer to, to each of those. You know, the four horsemen, too, we want to spend some time on. The four horsemen that talk about the conqueror, bloodshed, the scales, and death. But uh, as far as the end goes, when do we mark the the beginning of the end uh, of times? And uh, are we experiencing the end? Well, the short answer would be yes and no. What do you mean, yes and no? Well, yes, we are in the end times, and no, it's not the end yet. <laughs> but uh, and uh, and looking at many commentators, it's kind of interesting <laughs> to see who, how they mark the the end times. One I read uh, started from the Garden of Eden. He says our our whole mess, our whole trouble started when Adam and Eve fell into sin. And we saw the death of evil with with uh, uh, Cain and Abel, with uh, Cain killing Abel. And uh, ever since then, the world's been in a downward spiral. And, of course, uh, Christ comes and uh, through his death and resurrection gives us eternal life. But uh, so one calls it from the from the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve. Another marks uh, the, the beginning of the of the end times in Christ's ministry of Mark 1, verse 8. We covered that about a week or so, a couple of weeks ago in, with Tom and my, myself. And uh, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And they see that as eschatology, eschatology, or end times, the beginning of the end times, with with Jesus entering in the kingdom of God and His ministry. Uh, but most mark the beginning of the end with the ascension of Christ, which we see in Acts chapter one or Luke twenty-four, you know, when Jesus ascended into heaven. And then we entered into that period of the end times. So really, uh, most most commentators, most theologians that I that I read, 
look at the beginning of the end at Christ's ascension. And, uh, you know, you, you pick up pick it up in, in, in the Gospels, uh, Mark, Mark chapter 13, and Matthew 24, and Luke 21, where Jesus talks about the, the end times. For instance, in Matthew 24, Jesus, when Jesus was asked when the end of the age was coming, Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And, of course, we've seen a lot of those. and We've, we've talked over the last several years, several of the false Christs that we've, we've seen out there. And uh, you will be hearing of wars, rumors of wars. You are not to be frightened, for these things must take place, and then comes the end. It's not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Uh, in Luke 21, he puts famines and pestilence. It's kind of interesting. And pestilence is mentioned twice in the New Testament. It's mentioned a bunch of times in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, once in Luke and once in Revelation. And, uh, you know, is that some of the pandemics that we're running across uh, over the many, many years? But uh, what's interesting is in verse 8 of Matthew 24, uh, Jesus says, but these are merely the beginning of birth pangs, not that increases in frequency, as we know, women develop in contractions, and then finally the baby is born, and there is Christ. But we back it up, and it's just as merely the beginning. As we see these these things, false Christ, wars, rumors of wars, and Earthquakes and famines and various places, uh, pestilence. These these are signs that uh, that uh, Christ is coming again, or he's around the corner. Uh, I kind of liken it unto uh, coming home last night after after an, an outing. As I was driving down the interstate, I saw red lights, blue lights, white lights on the side of the road, which told me that uh, the police uh, or whatever emergency vehicles were stopped. And as I drew closer, it was a police car, a fire truck, and an ambulance. But I couldn't see any any wrecked cars in there, but I knew that there was some kind of uh, human tragedy that was going on. And as I pulled off the interstate, you know, went further into Springfield, I saw another set of red lights, blue lights, white lights, and as I drew closer, I could see that uh, there was a human tragedy, suffering going on, and uh, it just reminded me of the need to to, to drive a little a little safer and and be on the watch because uh, these things could could hit. And uh, as I drew closer to home, I saw. Street signs that said, "This is the road that that I live on." So you know the signs are always there. Or you're on a trip, and as you draw closer, 
to say St. Louis, it says St. Louis 25 miles, St. Louis 10 miles, St. Louis 5 miles. You know, you're getting closer and closer. So uh, it, it, these are just signposts that we, we see out there. In Revelation, especially you, you look in, in Revelations chapter 6, to 1621 you have three visions of history I also call them in, in a sense signs but uh, three visions that, that are, are, are given there and uh, the, the purpose of them are three sets of visions each, each with seven seals or sets to them for a total of 21 many con uh, I shouldn't say many, some commentators try to interpret this as linear, as 21 uh, visions or seals all at once. The, the ones that, that I've been reading uh, seem to indicate that there are three sets of visions and three sets of seven in there. Well, wh what's the purpose of them? As one says, it's portray conditions, circumstances, situations, environments, contexts in which people find themselves during the time covered. Uh, the result is not to give us a predictable view of history or, or how history is going to unfold, but rather a predictable view of the human condition and suffering and, and the defeat because of human evil, rebellion against God, a knowledge of God's terrible judgment. So it's, it, it unfolds history in terms of what we, we see out there. The wars, the rumors of wars, uh, the famines, the pestilence, the earthquakes, kingdom rising against kingdom. You know, th these are the things that uh, tell us that they're a part of the end times. And what's its purpose? His purpose is to move all of God's people to, or move all people for that matter, to repentance and faith before God, which in turn serves the ultimate purpose of displaying God's majestic, majestic sovereignty for salvation and hope for those who listen, repent, and, and believe. So the purpose of, of those three sets of visions from chapter 6 to 6, 16 uh, is to give warnings and heed to that uh, with the condition of our world and move especially the unbeliever to to come to 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 uh to to faith so it, it gives encouragement and faith and hope to the hearer the hearer is meant to receive each vision in in a way that he he fearfully heeds the sevenfold message of each vision and is moved to repentance and faith. So the ultimate purpose of Revelation then overall is to inspire the church to pray with John that uh, in the promise, Lord's promise of 2220, yes, I am coming quickly. So, you know, it's, it's signs. Uh, things are, are going to happen 
Now, as we turn to to the first first vision in, in Revelation six, it has the four horsemen, and we get that question that is asked: Are we experiencing the four horsemen? Oh, yes, but it's not the first time, really. And uh, in chapter six of Revelation, when you begin it, begin with it, it, it says that uh, uh, I saw the Lamb broke one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying to his voice come and I looked and behold a white horse who sat with his bow had his bow and had a crown on his head and he went out conquering and to conquer so it's a white horse with a crown with a bow in his hand well how are we to to take a look at that interpret it again it depends if you look into to what commentators or theologians have written over the years. Some of the early ones said, that's got to be Jesus doing it. So then, and then some later ones said uh, the, the same thing. But many are coming to the conclusion that can't be Jesus. Why? Because the lamb opens the, the seal. Well, who is the lamb? Well, the Lamb is none other than Jesus. Remember back in in the Gospel of John, where John the Baptist was watching Jesus walk one day, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So the the Lamb, Jesus, is opening. Well, then who is that, that one carrying the bow? And there we, we, we take a look in in there and see that uh, as the four horsemen are introduced, they represent tribulation and suffering, which are under the under God's permissive will, and it carried out at times through the heavenly angels. So, the first horse, as we say, is carrying out God's will, is a symbol of intention to conquer military might and prowess. Archers in ancient times. Were 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 uh, fierce warriors like the Parthians. They were the Parthians were so fierce that Rome could barely uh, subject them, and their leaders were said to be riding white horses in battle. The crown of the white horse, uh, of the wearer of the white horse, proclaims the conquering role that he's victorious. Is his divine right to be victorious, or using trying to use his divine right? White is the color of victory. The Christians, of course, are victorious over sin and death, but we don't see it as Christ on that white horse, and uh, especially the three others are presented as equal to the first horseman. So there's an equality going on between them. The uh, interpretation that kind of best describes the first horseman is the, the spiritual evil that causes military and tyrannical dominance or, dominance or uh, dictatorships, you know, that develop uh, as a result of that. 
The rider of the white horse symbolizes and represents every form of tyranny, which is won and acquired by power and force and usually warfare or some forms of it which are by dictatorial rule, exploits, and slaves, dominates, and terrorizes. So, however, it can be any kind of human entity, institutional, individual, lawful, or unlawful, in other words, you misuse authority it is, a, is an overarching theme of this this uh, white horse and, and the one who who rides it. It can be governmental, educational, economic. It can be a spouse. It can be a parent. It can be an, any person or agency and authority with a sphere of life. In other words, you got some kind of authority that has been given to you by God, you know, that's what we believe our governments, our families, our parents, you know, and so forth are there for. And it it represents a misuse that will dominate and to be the rule of the exception through a period of time up to the ascension from the ascension of Christ to the end of history. In other words, it repeats itself. If we look at the three sets of visions, as cyclical, that they continually repeat themselves, then we begin to see a, a, a difference, especially with the, the the four horsemen. We see them repeat themselves, you know, just uh, veer off a little bit. But if you look at the history of the pandemics, I pulled pulled up one from from an article that I was reading in the internet. And you go clear back to 165 A.D. to to a plague that that had, uh, had five million, million people in death to the plague of Justinian in 3, 541, where you had uh, 30 to 50 million. The Black Death uh, plague in 1300, you had two million, 200 million, all the way up to the Spanish flu in 1918, where it was believed up to 25% of the world's population was was destroyed through through that pandemic to to the one that we have today. It's a reoccurring event that's going to happen, and the wars they're reoccurring. At, at times, it was read a or watched a documentary the other day on on TV about uh, World War Two. And they said close to seven, 70 million people lost their life in in the World War II. Of that, roughly half or 35 million were civilians. So it was kind of a tragic loss. But you got World War Two, World War One, Korean War, uh, Vietnam, and all these other struggles that we see going on. They're reoccurring as a result of that. And in the midst of that tyranny comes that uh, white horse to the fellow who wears the white crown who misuses it. In the wake of that count, of that conqueror comes uh, his bloodshed, which is the second horse, which is red, and which is followed by the uh, goods and famine, and which is the third horse, and the fourth horse is, is death. 
So when tyranny is present, there is bloodshed, famine, and death. And then again, we can see that with with uh, with uh, history, just going to through, for instance, World War Two, that uh, the, the dictatorship of, of Hitler, Mussolini, and then Japan, and uh, the destruction that went as as a as a result thereof. So. Uh, while the vision of the four horsemen did not see God's anger, we may well make the connection that the, the, the horsemen's ravaging of the earth and God's anger because in the Old Testament, had often metered out his, his anger through disease, warfare, and famine. And again, it's to move people to come to, the, to, to a saving knowledge of, of, of God. Uh, Another one that I want to cover quickly is the mark of the beast that, that came up. And uh, in, in reading in Revelation, uh, the mark of the, of the beast was 666, which was put upon the forehead and upon the, upon the hands of, uh, uh, of the people that follow the beast. Uh, the commentators I read most quotably put the first six, the dragon, which would be Satan, and then the other two would be the political beast that comes out of the sea and the religious beast, which is uh, also a, a, a false church, a false religion. And the, the mark would be the other two sixes. Well, it, it isn't a burned-in, you know, uh, sort of branding like you brand a cow, so to speak, with with the mark of who they belong to in in, in the Old West. But uh, the mark of the beast is uh, really unbelief, and it is a mark of man that uh, comes through through the symbolical history that we have so when when I see that in, in Revelation I see the mark of unbelief well what's the mark of belief for the Christian we see it most notably in baptism when when the pastor whether adult or a child is presented for baptism he, he says receive the mark uh, of, of of the cross, both upon the forehead and upon the heart, to re, re, to mark you as one who's been redeemed by Christ to crucify. So the mark of the beast is unbelief of the of uh, of a person following them. The mark of of a Christian is faith in in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which God gives to us through through the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, through the, the Holy Spirit. So uh, it, it is His will that that we come to faith in there. This is a quick, quick uh, reading that we're 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 giving today. If you have any, if if I missed anything or I messed up anything. Don't call me, call Tom. <laughs> you know, or write him an email him at law and gospel at law and gospel 
www.lawandgospel101.com. So that's Law and Gospel at lawandgospel101.com. And I'm being given a sign, too, that we're down to one minute. And it's been great to be with you, but where is God in all of this? You know, you go to First Timothy chapter 2, and first he entreats us to pray for all those that are in authority and kings, that we we have peace and quiet and godliness and tranquility. But especially, Paul makes a, the connection that acceptable on the side of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. In the midst of these pandemics, in the midst of these wars, and the things that we, we see is reaching out with that good news of Jesus Christ and bringing people to that love and salvation. And uh, hopefully bring people to repentance. It's a time for you to reach out and, and touch because Christ hasn't come yet because not everyone's been saved yet. When the last person comes to, to faith, and God only knows that when that time is, then he, he will return again. Until that time, we've got time to reach out and tell that good news of Jesus Christ, the love that he has for you and for me that we can take to the world around us. It's been great listening with you, and hopefully Tom will maybe back tomorrow, or maybe either that or Monday, and uh, we go with Godspeed. 910 St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll free 1 877 267 1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.